Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm at the National Equine Forum, and as you know, we're speaking to every guest speaker who is uh, doing a little talk today. And my next guest is Kirsty Withnall. She's an RSPCA inspector, has been for over 19 years. Particularly, she's worked for four years in the RSPCA's Special Operations Unit. Kirsty, how are you? Hello, Amy. Yes, very well. Thank you. Now, my goodness, you are one busy lady. You've got court case after court case after court case. You never get time to sleep. How on earth do you get time to investigate new cases as well? It's certainly been a busy time uh, recently whilst trying to speak to you. We have had a string of complicated court cases that seem to be ongoing, um, but hopefully we'll be seeing the end of them soon. Do you know, I'm, I'm glad, though, that, that we're actually getting to, to see results after the work that you guys do. It's great to see that sanctions are being placed on, on people that abuse animals and that it is going, going as far as to court. It, to me, there seems to be a bit of a rise in court cases. Would you say the same? I'm not sure what our statistics are at the moment for court cases. Um, I think the RSPCA thinks very carefully before they take anyone to court. It's got to be in the public interest. It's got to get through our prosecutions department before it gets that far. And it's certainly the last resort. We don't want to prosecute people. And that, that is um, taken very seriously if we do. And like I say, it's the very last thing we want to do. But in some cases, um, there is no other option. And I work within a team that is mainly what we do um, because we investigate more serious and organised animal cruelty. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'd love to see more people go to court. I wouldn't be wanting that to be the last resort. I think there's so many people out there at the moment that, that, you know, are just mistreating animals, horses, dogs, uh, cats. It's just it's heartbreaking. Um, But in terms of organised animal abuse, uh, what sort of thing are you looking for? So a team that I'm within will deal with dog fighting, which you think wouldn't even exist anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But um, sadly, it does. Badger baiting, a puppy trade where people are selling hundreds, thousands of sick puppies, as well as more um, multi-animal type cases, orders, breeders, that sort of thing where people have a large amount of animals. Can you share with us what you're, what you're going to be talking about at the forum? So I've been asked to talk about multi-agency equine welfare cases and how the different equine charities work together on these cases. We certainly couldn't do some of the jobs we do without the other equine charities. Uh, We all work together in slightly different ways, but um, often if we remove a large number of animals, we'll work all together as a big team, um, particularly the National Equine Welfare Council charities. 
um, that we all know each other, we work together and try and split the cost and the resources and the amount of people doing these jobs um, to make it as more manageable as possible. Do you know, it's really good to get an insight into how you work, Kirsty, because it's horrible to hear, but lately I, uh, there's just been so much negativity towards the RSPCA. And, and you're, you're a charity that, you know, for years we'd go to as, as the rescuers, you know, the people that would save the day. And if you ever had a problem with an animal, you'd phone the RSPCA. But but it, it's great to hear that you guys work together because more and more I feel the public are a bit confused as to who they're supposed to go to if there's a horse problem. It does seem like that. And I think that's the problem with social media, isn't it? And it's very disheartening for us to read things on Facebook or Twitter or or any social platform where they will say such things against the RSPCA or the other charities. And quite often something is being done. We just, if it's prosecution, we can't put anything in the press until after the court case. So we're very limited in what we can say. And I can understand from members of the public, it'd be very frustrating they don't know the ins and outs of what's happening, but it may well be there's a lot actually going on behind the scenes. It's just we can't say at that time. And quite often by the time we can say, social media has moved on to something else. Yeah, I can definitely see that. In terms of the horse world, who should we phone first? With your multi-agency collaboration that you do, is it a case of we phone you, Kirsty, and say, you know, we're worried about this horse, and then you contact the other charities, or do we phone another charity and then they phone you? How, how does it work? Well, actually, trading standards are the statutory body to deal with any cruelty offences with equines. Um, so actually, it should be trading standards that deal with any of the offences but often they're extremely busy and the RSPCA will also deal with these cases obviously. We work uh, very closely with the other charities so um, with World Force Welfare officers that go out and some of the other charities have officers that will go out so often we'll double up with the other charities or we'll contact them or they'll contact us regarding different complaints that we have so we're often know which person from which charity is going anyway oh that's good and then is there a particular protocol or procedure from you know that, that that's kick-started from when a member of the public phones you if we've been out to go out to a complaint we'll often ask for help from the other charities anyway and rspca doesn't have very much space in-house to take in equines most of our horses will go into private livery which we then have to pay for so we'll often also speak to the other charities about whether they can board the horses for us Mm. um, because they can keep a lot of them in-house but at the moment we're all pretty much full to the brim well certainly we're using majority of private livery yards and some of the other charities are beginning to do the same too there's definitely a crisis isn't there yes uh, has been for for many years and um the charities are struggling to cope with the number of horses that we've got and also whether we can take them in you know that there isn't space and we have to just use more private yards to be able to find the space so so in terms of your your multi-agency system that you have what what sort of help are you looking for how do you all work together so often if depending on the seriousness of the call if if it's something that sounds more serious and we have good information that something is definitely happening at a premises, um, we would go into that place pre-arranged and the police may obtain a warrant and we'd go in together with the other charities. For example, Red Wings would be particularly good rounding up the wild horses. So they would bring their pen sections and a, and a team of very experienced Red Wing staff that can help round them up. World Horse Welfare would help with the inspectors doing the sort of paperwork side of things. 
Donkey Sanctuary Blue Cross may help with the transport. It sort of depends who's there and we will try together to get all the bits together of what needs to work. The BHS will help us with the passport side of things. Um, so the charities will all try and work together to, to make these jobs work. And I, I'm presuming there's there's an ideal outcome from working together. What, what's the main aim? It may name some of the places that we've been to remove horses are the conditions are dreadful and I think the main aim of anyone there is to make sure the horses are removed to somewhere safe and looked after and some of the results we see are fantastic you know to see them the happy ending is it makes it all worthwhile for everyone involved. Is there an element of education needed do you think because I just think of so many cases you've worked on a case actually didn't you that there was a case in Amersham where 147 horses were removed 32 of them were they'd already they'd already died how how I I just you know it breaks my heart Kirsty it really does and I think that the fact that you guys have to witness those things and try and help those horses do you not get as frustrated as we do I think that's where the passion comes from really and you know when you talk about the public and sometimes some of their negative comments it's because to, to 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 the everyday person this stuff is so disgusting it just makes you it makes your blood boil how do you feel when you're having to deal with this on a daily basis I think it affects us all um, and it can be very difficult I think while you're at work you try and remain professional but it doesn't mean afterwards that there's things that lots of us will will never forget there's certainly the case you mentioned there's um, certain horses there that I would never forget the conditions they were in and I have seen some since I've, I've been in a horse and cart the horse trust on one of them when it's doing so much better so that means so much to see the horse then do so well afterwards um, mm. and I think it makes us more determined to make sure that we have the right outcome if somebody's responsible for getting to those horses into such a state then it's my job to ensure that they're taken to court and that we make sure the case is as watertight as possible and that we do the right thing and then the horses have good homes in the end and I think that probably makes you more determined because we all care, all of us who are there doing the ridiculously long hours in dreadful conditions, are because we all care really passionately and we want to make sure the right outcome happens. Mm. Do you know what happened to, to the Amersham case, to the people that were abusing the horses? So they've all, they all received the maximum sentence that they could get. The Animal Welfare Act is, uh, has six months in prison and we're hoping that that will go to five years in prison. The horses were rehomed and I still get updates 11 years later on what some of those horses are doing. Some are getting on really well with their new owners, so I, I still hear some of the updates, which is great. That's so lovely. You know, I'm pleased to hear that they did get the maximum sentence. Obviously, six months isn't enough. There's no nowhere near is that enough for, for the lifetime of abuse that, that people like that cause on animals. How are you hoping that it's going to change to five years? Are you petitioning for that or is it just up for review? How does that work? Well, that's going through government at the moment and we're hopeful that that will be successful. Um, and that means cases will be heard in the Crown Court. So we're we're hoping that that will go through and it's very well supported, obviously, because uh, six months is, like you say, isn't long enough for some of the things that we come across. So hopefully five years will will be the end goal. Also, mm. the main reason for taking people to court is that they're disqualified from keeping animals for what well, can be for life or it can be for a term that the judge sees fit. And so that 
obviously is one of the main reasons because we don't want this to happen to another animal so what we really want is a disqualification order and the deprivation order of the animals we've already removed so that we can mm. rehome those ones the sad thing is though by the time you get there they're in such a state and it's such a, a bad way it's almost no helping them really is there they might be able to be rehomed how how can we get them earlier how can we prevent this from happening and and the horses getting into the state that they're in and these abusers being allowed to continue what they do for so long well we'd obviously encourage the information to come direct to us we discourage it just being put on social media. Um, actually, it would be easier and better if these people would ring us directly and give us the information so that we can deal with it. I know it's frustrating sometimes when people post things on social media, but if the public can help us do our job by telling us and also supporting us, it's quite often when it comes down to it, people don't want to make statements. They don't want to be involved. And, and if they see and hear things, we do need their help. We need them to make statements and to be involved in that way if, if they know what's happening in the premises. So we'd, we'd encourage them to help us in that way. Do you think you guys are understaffed a bit? Because there's only so much money and you're a charity. And I often wonder if really you, if you've got the, the, the number of hands that's needed to deal with so many cases, it's, it's not a negative on you. It's, uh, you know, it just feels like you're constantly chasing your tails, overloaded with animals that are being abused. Yes, definitely. I'd say we're definitely understaffed and, and we are a charity and we often work, work on our own in very difficult situations. Um, and we'd much rather be doubled up and with others, you know, when we go into some of these very difficult places. So, yes, we are no doubt understaffed. We're under what our recommended number of inspectors are anyway. And I'm sure even then we should probably have more. We have an awful lot of work to to deal with and we're always exceptionally busy. Um, mm. So, yes, we could definitely do with more inspectors yeah and uh, yeah and as an inspector Kirsty, you know are there times when you're actually quite afraid for your own safety because uh, you know i don't think i'd want to be facing off with somebody that you know has been whacking a horse hitting a horse or hitting an animal you know you talk about dog baiting there is no way i'd want to get involved in that world so how do you protect your own safety too selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We certainly come against some challenging situations and many inspectors will tell stories of verbal or sometimes physical abuse, tires being slashed, that sort of thing. Um, and we do get an awful lot of abuse. And it sort of comes, sadly, with part of the job. Uh, we work very closely with the police at a lot of these um, jobs and are very well supported by them. They're excellent. So quite a lot of things we would only go to with the police backup. So mm. it can be very difficult at times. But you're never sure what you're going to definitely walk into until you're there. So um, yeah, it certainly can be challenging at times. Mm. Now, we can't talk about ongoing cases at the moment because, like you said earlier, it affects um, it affects any potential prosecution. But I think of historic cases or um, just, just scenarios, really. There seems to me to be a lot of monitoring involved. So you make a phone call and then the inspectors say, OK, well, we're going to monitor it for a bit and see how it goes. In the meantime, we're screaming, Kirsty, going, but these horses are in danger. They need help. But, you know, we, we, we like to see action right away right now um, I'm presuming there's protocol involved though why does it feel like things take such a long time before anything's done I think it sometimes does feel like that we to remove an animal we'd need a vet to say that the horse has been caused unnecessary suffering and a vet would need to see, say that and then a police officer takes a horse into their possession RSPCA inspectors have no powers whatsoever so the, the police officers would do that and then hand into RSPCA care and then we'd look at taking it further a lot of times if horses are not quite unnecessary suffering they're not quite bad enough a vet doesn't feel they're bad enough we need to assess the situation is somebody going or somebody still looking after the horse horses can be removed if their needs are not being met which is a lesser offense but would tend not to be removed immediately again we need a vet to support us on that and to to sign a certificate to say that those horses could be removed so it normally means an inspector's gone out. We'll quite often leave warning notices for owners as well. If if things aren't quite bad enough to remove the horses, they'll be given notices of all the changes that need to be made. They may need to see a vet within a couple of days and fencing needs changing, all, all those sort of lists of things. And so they will be given a time frame to be able to make those changes. And if they didn't make the changes, then we would then look at removing the horses. And what's your caseload like? So how many cases would be referred to one inspector well um my job is slightly different because i work in a different unit so i deal with the more multi-animal bigger cases so i probably have three or four larger cases running at a time but inspectors that work within the groups will continue their normal sort of complaint work alongside any um, court cases as well so they'd be going to their routine complaints that come in about thin dogs or horses with no shelter whilst also managing any cases that are going to court on top of that. You've recently joined the National Equine Welfare Council as a director, so um, it's good to have your board. Congratulations, Kirsty. Could you tell us a bit about that, please? Yes, I'm delighted to be now on the board of directors. Um, myself and Mark Kennedy, who is on our companion animals department, it comes he comes from a more scientific background, have both joined the board of directors and I'll be looking at things from more operational point of view when the charities all work together on uh, removing horses. 
It's, it's a really good idea. Now, have you met Jim Green? He organised, he won the Sir Colin Spedding Award a couple of years ago and he set up Barter, um, at the British Animal Rescue and Trauma Care Association. And so he organised for all the animal rescues um, by the fire and rescue services throughout the UK to have a specific procedure. And he's seen, you know, when they're, when they're saving animals. And it's seen such a great response to to um, these systems that he put in place. It's those systems that I think are great for the council and the council to be able to implement as well, you know, by having experts together, working together, charities working together, multi-agency, I think is how we then can filter through new processes, which in turn help the welfare of the animals. I feel like I'm saying a lot of jargon here, but um, but is that <laughs> is that kind of your aim that you, you guys are getting together on the board? They're on this council, and you're thinking of new ways of effectively working together to to help lower the amount of animals that need saving. Yes, absolutely. The RSPCA does training um, at the Horse Trust and with some of the other charities as well. And they work very closely with the fire brigade and do training with the fire brigade. And so the aim is that we're all trained to the same standard so that when we go to rescues, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet as it was. Everyone knows what they're doing and they're all um, trained to the same standard. Kirsty, I could ask you so many questions about um, life as an RSPCA inspector, but um, I really feel for you, I don't want it to sound patronising, but I really feel for you as an inspector because I think you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I think every every um, charity member that I speak to genuinely cares about the animals. You touched on it earlier and, and wants to do good. Um, I just feel that there's a lot of red tape surrounding around the work that you're doing. And often we see people and 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 it's with such goodwill that they want to save these horses but we see them saving them and then we see in the long run actually it's worse for the animals because the owner just goes on to hurt somebody uh, hurt another horse and then another horse and then another horse whilst what i see from the work that you do is that in the long run it's pretty much to get a prosecution or to stop more animals being hurt in the long run is that is that would you say that's fair Yes, absolutely. I mean, it would be very easy just to take horses, but we must do things within the law and we will always do that. We work within the Animal Welfare Act um, with the police nearly always with us and we make sure that things are done properly. And I think in the long run, that means we can get people disqualified, we can keep the horses and we deal with these things the right way. Um, And I understand it's very frustrating for some people when they're waiting and want things done immediately. But uh, we do need to make sure that things are done within the law. And changes happen. I mean, look at Finn's law. I'd like to think that that's had a huge impact on on the change of behaviour and attitude towards um, animals that, that, you know, and and abuse towards animals. I, you know, I've been highly critical myself when I've worked with the RSPCA years ago. um, But that I don't think that it was the RSPCA's fault at that time. I think that working with specialist charities for whichever animal that you're dealing with um, is a brilliant idea because sometimes you need to get a few good uh, uh, expert heads together to, to really make a situation work. And I don't see how the RSPCA can, you can't be experts in everything thing can you we certainly are very grateful for when the other charities are there with us i always remember a time when i was dealing with 
an awful case. I had over 100 horses and I phoned Red Wings and they said they could send 30 people that were experienced horse handlers with equipment, two lorries and two vets with 24 hours notice. And when you're dealing with something with just you and one other inspector and a load of horses in the most dreadful conditions, that is what you want to hear. I mean, that was that was amazing to have that many people there to help me, help me round them up, help me remove them and then take on some of the horses as well. Um, it makes such a difference working together with the other charities. It really does. And I think we do a much better job if we can do that. And we do do that very regularly. I don't think the public always see that. I think we get criticised in the press unfairly, but I suppose I would say that. Um, and I think that actually perhaps if they understood that we do all work together and we are all working for the same thing, um, they, they may be a bit fairer on us in the social media. So our job then, let's just reiterate what we need to do. If we spot a, 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 an animal or a horse that we feel is in danger, does it have to be in immediate danger to contact you or, or are there different levels of danger? We deal with all sorts of complaints. If the horses are not having their needs met, they've got absolutely no shelter. Um, if they haven't got water regularly, they're not fed properly, that sort of thing. We, we will go to those, but obviously at a slower time because we're extremely busy. The more urgent emergency calls, we'll, we'll try and get to much quicker. Um, the very emergency calls where something's collapsed or thinking perhaps of dogs in hot cars, the police will often help us because they'll be often nearer than we will be and be able to get to things quicker. Um, but certainly ourselves, Trading Standards and the other charities will try and deal with any complaints where an animal is suffering or its needs are not being met. Have there been any times when you've thought, you know, I just can't keep doing this? I, I feel like it's Groundhog Day every day and I feel like we're not getting anywhere. I think we often feel like that, but mm. I very strongly believe we do. We make a difference. I really believe that the inspectors make a massive difference. And I love my job because it's rewarding and I know how much difference we make. So it is frustrating and it can be extremely upsetting, but I certainly wouldn't want to do anything else because I know that it really does make that difference. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And look at it this way. Look, the public loves somebody to blame. So they're going to blame the abuser and then they're going to blame the next people that come along because they're not doing their job properly. And then they're going to blame somebody else. And I think, look, I'm just so grateful that you're there because if there's ever an issue, you know, I've had um, a a poorly rabbit wild rabbit before and then there's been a you know a deer that's been ill you know and I just think who's the first person that I think of I I phone you and even if you can't Mm -hmm. help me which you've always been able to somehow then then you'll put me in touch with somebody else that that you know you would advise could help but then my point is you've always helped and I think that's a huge accolade and and something that we should take away from from speaking to you today Kirsty thank you is that you're always there and I don't think you get enough praise for always being there okay you might not move quick enough for us sometimes but you always go and you're (laughs) always there and nine times out of ten there's a there's a, a very big reason why you're not moving in the ways that we'd expect you to move I don't do your job I don't know how tough it is I don't know how um, many rules and regulations there are surrounding what you can do all I know is that I can't go and pick up that horse that's dying um, and that I'm really worried about so what do I do I I phone you and it's lovely to hear that there are you know a group of like-minded inspectors out there that go go and rescue these horses so so thank you for what you do Kirsty. 
Um, and thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.